Let's go! The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. You can't tell me what to talk about, Ari. If I want to talk about hockey, then I'm going to talk about hockey. Football frenzy? No, this is the hockey frenzy. Well, at least for like 30 seconds here because we got to get this out there. Uh, big news for the Golden Knights. Mark Stone, as we mentioned earlier, not only on the road trip for VGK, Mark Stone is off long-term IR and back into the lineup tonight for VGK in Vancouver. 7 p.m. start for the Golden Knights. That, of course, means that if he comes off, that you have to put guys onto the long-term IR. So, Laurent Brassois, Will, Will Carrier, and Nolan Patrick all go to long-term IR for the Golden Knights to make the cap situation work to get Mark Stone back in. Sometimes the guy shows you exactly who he is, and you have to just take him at his word. Um, Cam Newton's kind of making himself out to be one of these guys. Uh, he was on a Barstool Sports podcast. Wow, there's a shocker. Uh, Barstool Sports podcast where something uh, misogynistic came out. Uh, it's probably better I just let Cam do the talking on his thoughts on a woman's place in society, and then we can get some reaction on the other side of it. A woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, mm-hmm. right? And I think a lot of times when you get that aesthetic of like, I'm a boss bitch, like I'm a this, I'm a dad. No, baby, like, but you can't cook. Okay. You don't know, you don't know when to be quiet. You mm. don't know how to allow a man to lead. Oh. Oh. Um, the Vast Sound Crew uh, giving you a little spice on that one there with Cam Newton talking about how, uh, okay, uh, Boss B. Uh, Willie, do you think that we got that interview from like a time machine from, from 30 or 40 years ago, or or am I missing something here? Yeah, that's it. I, when I saw that, I was, I was shocked. Um, I really don't know what to say because I, I, I just, I, it's to me, it's just all wrong. I mean, in and not just because it's something that came out misogynistic, but I mean, come on, dude. You, I mean, you really said, don't know how to be quiet, a woman's place. I mean, is this what we're talking about now? Is this, is this, is this, is this how you want to come across? Um, I just I don't get it. I really don't. I don't I don't even know how to I mean I'm the I sent the link over, but I don't even know how to address it because I mean here he said I had a perfect a perfect example of what a man was in my life by my father. My parents have been together for 36, 37 years now, and it's a beautiful thing. I grew up in a three parent household, my mom, my father, and my grandmother, and I knew what a woman was. Not a bad bee. I I think the phrase is what got him caught up. I'm assuming to, you know, and, and I think once he got into it, he had, he sort of just went with it. But the problem is, is, is how it comes across altogether is, it's just all wrong. It, oh, it it's really all wrong. Is. It's, it's 100, it, look, it's 100% wrong. And no matter how he started down that road, it's almost one of those things where you get really comfortable in a conversation and then all of a sudden you start saying the things you really think. And that's where it seemed like Cam Newton went with this because it got worse and worse and worse as it went on talking about how 
a woman's place is to be able to cook, to cater to a man's right. needs, to allow them to lead. And the reason that I said showing himself is because it's not the first time that we've been through this with Cam Newton. If you go back to 2017, uh, Jordan Rodrigue, who was reporting for the Charlotte Observer at the time, who is now with The Athletic covering the Rams, asked Cam Newton a question about the physicality of Devin Funchess' routes when he was the quarterback for the Panthers. And Newton started laughing to himself, and his answer was, it's funny to hear a female talking about routes. It's funny. Uh, she responded in a tweet, I don't think it's funny to be a female and talk about routes. I think it's my job. Uh, I'm not surprised, honestly, because of that history. I guess I'm just surprised at the comfort level with which Cam Newton talked about that, Willie. He, he was, it, he sounded very comfortable, didn't he? I mean, he, it just. Yeah, too comfortable. Yeah, it just, like you said, it just, once he got into it, he just started flowing. And you know what's hilarious is is ha the timing of this. The timing of this subject coming up with you and I in, in addressing this because, um, a, a reporter out of Texas was just like jokingly tweeted about um, a man. She, she quoted a tweet that someone else tweeted. If a dude can't boil spaghetti and add a can of pre-made sauce to a pot with a nice red wine, he don't deserve a woman. Talking about a man cooking. And, and I actually replied to Carolina. We follow each other. And I just said, Neighbors have seen me throw jars of pre-made sauce into the street. A quote-unquote dude should know how to make a nice sauce and have a bottle of red decanting while cooking for his queen. Because I love to cook. When when I was a long time ago when I was married, the rule the, we 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 agreed on two things, one for each of us. She had. She did not have to step in the kitchen ever. I would handle everything. And I said, as long as you do the laundry, I just hate doing laundry. I don't think it's because a man should do it. A woman should do anything. Like that. I just don't want to, but when it comes to cooking, just leave it to me. I'm good. So I, I guess my place is in the kitchen. Uh, yeah. Your, your, your place is in the kitchen and ladies of the Cofield and company universe. If you're listening, you'll never have to cook again. Willie Ramirez has gotcha. <laughs> All right, quickly before we get to Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk, Willie, uh, we're going to jump out in a second here, but I want to get to this piece of news, and maybe we can touch on it more later. Uh, Doug Brumfield, who was looking to be the starting quarterback for UNLE for a lot of last year uh, before he suffered the injury against Arizona State, uh, showed some real flashes for the Rebels. We knew he was going to be locked in a quarterback battle coming into spring camp this year with Harrison Bailey coming in from Tennessee with Cameron Friel, who played well for the Rebels down the stretch. And he has entered the transfer portal. So the UNLV quarterback battle appears down to two quarterbacks now, the transfer Bailey and the former Frosh Cameron Friel. Uh, we'll jump into that in a little bit. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk with us here in just a moment. I bet he has some thoughts on Cam Newton as well. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Willie Ramirez alongside Adam Candy and Ari at the Finley Toyota Studios. And if it's 4.15 on a Tuesday afternoon, you know we're headed to sunny Southern California. 
to talk to our man Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk and Peacock. Miles, welcome. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm great after that intro. Man, I gotta have you do it every week. I uh, love that. You know what? Uh, <laughs> we've said it many, many Don't times. Tell Steve, but man. No, we've said it many, many times. Emphasis on the company when it comes to Cofield and Company. Uh, yeah, no doubt seriously. about it. Uh, uh, yeah, I know that. That's well, for sure. Well, we'll keep it to ourselves, not like anyone's <laughs> listening. All right, so Miles, uh, we're going to get to uh, one Cameron Newton in just a moment here and talk about that. But uh, we kind of teased the Washington football team, Commanders, Dan Snyder story at the top and the fact that uh, Congress essentially has some evidence that he's been cooking the books and two different sets of them and sent that evidence to the Federal Trade Commission for, I don't know, possible criminal charges. We don't know exactly what it's going to be. So I guess I'll ask you a different version of a question we've asked a hundred times. Is this going to be the one that gets Dan Snyder? <laughs> you know what? I, I think it might be. And the reason why is because he's cheating allegedly, you know, in case somebody is listening and, you know, we know how allegedly litigious Dan Snyder is, but he is alleged basically to have kept money from other owners. And if there's one thing that I think we all know about rich people, it's that they don't like being cheated out of their money. So I think for that reason, you know, and it's unfortunate that it's this more than the hundreds of other things that Dan Snyder is alleged to have done, that this is the one that's gonna be like, oh, no, 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 guys, that's, that's a bridge too far for the old boys oligarchs club. Right, like that's going to be too much, but I, I think that it's going to be. And you know, one could maybe say it's about time, but I, I think that when you're looking at something as we are right now, where he might have kept money out of the hands of the other owners, then that's going to be like, yeah, no, we, we can't have this in our league. Now, Miles, I don't know about you, but when I get off the show, um, I'm going to spend about an hour and a half in the kitchen because I know my place, and that is. Uh, on the grill, on the stove, stirring sauce. Uh, I don't know. What about you? Well, I made dinner last night, so I made some Well, salmon. you know your place. Yeah, I do. I Yes, because, well, first of all, there's nobody else to cook for me in my house. But also, <laughs> I like to make food. I mean, I think that a man's place or a woman's place or anybody's place, if they want it to be, can be in the kitchen or it can be at the dinner table sitting and waiting for the meal. So, you know, I don't understand why in the year of our Lord 2022, we're still seeing free agent quarterbacks go on podcasts and say that that's where a woman ought to be. Uh, you know, and I think I have to believe that he he got as I was telling Adam before uh, that he got into this conversation. and He started getting flowing. And as Adam pointed out, that once you get in that your true feeling, you just let it all out. But I also think that he tried to save himself without really blatantly do it by bringing up his mother and his grandmother and that he was raised in a household and this is what he saw. So, but that doesn't make it okay. That's almost Absolutely like not. someone with racist thoughts going, well, this is how I was raised. Well, a traditionalist that doesn't make your thoughts correct. Right. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you can't just because some of my best friends were women, right? I love women. Some of my best friends, but I just, this goes back to something that you know Cam Newton said years ago, and I can't remember exactly when it was, but I mean, I know the reporter, Jordan Rodriguez, and now she works at The Athletic. She covers the Los Angeles Rams. But at the time, she was either working for The Athletic or the Charlotte Observer, 
where Cam Newton, she asked Cam Newton a question about wide receivers and timing and routes. And Cam Newton looked at her funny and like kind of snickered. And it was like, yeah, it's just funny to hear a female talking about routes. That's like, you know, you would have thought that at that point, and with all the backlash that he got, that you might realize, hey, maybe I need to think a little bit more before I say my misogynistic thoughts publicly. But I guess maybe the, he was just in some sort of flow on the podcast, like you were saying, Willie, and like it just came out and these are his true colors. And I mean, I think, you know, we we know the saying that um, when somebody introduces you to themselves, uh, believe it the first time. I just butchered that, but you know what? I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Right, so, yeah. Yes. So it's it's just like that with Cam Newton. But like I, I said this to a colleague yesterday, like I, I am sort of curious as to what more Cam Newton said after the clip of that podcast cut off that we all saw on Twitter, because that was the one that got floated around, I think, by the like mediate Twitter account. But I also was not curious enough to go seek out a Barstool podcast to like actually listen to it in full. Like, I, I don't need to do that because you're, there's no context where what he said is fine. <laughs> you're listen, Miles, your brain and your time deserve better than listening to the rest of a Barstool podcast to figure out what a quarterback who likely won't be on a roster said about women beyond the minute long quote uh, that you got there. And by the way, we mentioned that Jordan Rodriguez uh, quote earlier. Um, you know, Miles, if we go a little silly about it for a second, I, I guess maybe if Cam wanted to talk about clothes, since he's such a fashion icon, I guess Jordan could have just responded like, oh, I guess it's just funny to hear a man talking about clothes. It's just funny. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, you know, I mean, Cam has some interests that are not uh, traditional gender role interests as well. So I guess maybe we could go. We go there with them, but uh, all right, we'll, we'll we'll leave quarterbacks who aren't going to play over on the side. Miles, talk about quarterbacks who are going to play. Uh, saw your story uh, talking about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not going to attend offseason workouts for the Packers. Is this the single least surprising thing that you've written about this year? Um, man, not quite. I mean, it's interesting because I almost thought he would go. Because okay. yeah, I mean, because they gave him that contract, you know. So I, I'm I'm not like astonished that he's not going to be there. I'm a little bit surprised because, like I said, I mean, he's going to make 150 million you're supposed to over the next three years. So usually, once the contract disputes are over, then you, you might show up to at least some of the optional off-season workouts. And like I, I feel compelled to also say because I, I put it in the headline because I try to be fair with these things. You know, when a player's not attending. The, the workouts in the off season, like it is a voluntary off season program. And um, as Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee journal Sentinel who reported this said like he, Aaron Rodgers intends to be there for uh, the mandatory mini camp in June. So, you know, all he's contractually obligated to do, he's going to do. And honestly, he's kind of doing Jordan love a favor in some ways by staying away so that Jordan love gets to take every single rep as if he were the starting quarterback. I don't know how much that really helped Jordan love last year. You know, when we saw him against the Kansas city chiefs, he did not look very good. Right. And so maybe, you know, it's cause it's not a COVID year and cause things are a little bit different. It's really the first normal off season we've had since 2019. Maybe that's going to help him a little bit more, but yeah, I mean, I, to answer your question, I mean, I was a little bit surprised just based on what the contract that he's received and the money he's going to get. But like, 
when you skip everything last year and you win MVP, I, I understand it. And it's not like he really needs it at this point. No, and I guess I say at least surprising, Miles, because Aaron Rodgers has shown very clearly he's going to do only what he wants to do. And, yes. And if he doesn't want to be there, then he's not going to be there. But the, the person probably crying the least is Brian Gutekunst, the GM of the Packers, because this gives Jordan Love a chance to establish some kind of trade value yeah. when he has absolutely none after what you were talking about and how he played against Kansas City uh, last year. So big moment there for uh, Jordan Love, when we start talking about these voluntary slash voluntold uh, workouts, guess who showed up in Vegas? The $38 million man himself, maybe uh, Derek Carr. Uh, yeah. Big sign there for the Raiders, you think? Yes. I mean, it's interesting. When we hear coaches and players talk about things sometimes, you know, especially with the new regime, it's kind of like, okay, we'll see if that's actually the truth, you know, because. Josh McDaniels has been very clear that he wants to build around Derek Carr. But when it's a head coach that says that publicly, it's like, well, is he telling the truth? And for all, by all accounts, Derek Carr has been like, all right, you know, I, I want to see what's going to happen with the Raiders and with this new regime. But once they go out and they get Devontae Adams, that signals to me like, hey, Derek, you're our guy. We believe in you. We saw what you did last year with the guys that you had. Let's get you your college teammate and, you know, go light it up like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase just did with Cincinnati. Right? You already have Darren Waller. You already have somebody in Hunter Renfro that you can turn to on third down. Well, now we're giving you a top five receiver and let's go do it. You don't do those kinds of things unless you're going to commit to the quarterback. So I, I think that from everything we've seen, it's like it's more a matter of when, not if. I'm not reporting that, but this is what it, the, I'm reading the tea leaves, right? It, it it seems like it's more a matter of when, not if, the Raiders are going to give Derek Carr a contract extension. And when you look at these kinds of things and when they typically happen, it's probably going to be sometime in May after the draft or June, July when it's the slow time and most people are on vacation. But that's when the agents and the front office can really get together and hammer things out. And like that's kind of the time frame. So I, I think either by the beginning of training camp or maybe mid-training camp, we'll, we'll see an extension for Derek Carr. Speaking of the Raiders in signing, uh, yesterday they signed defensive end Tashawn Bauer, another former Patriot. So Patriots West continues to take shape. What's been your overall sort of view? This uh, you know viewpoint of what the new regime has done as they head into voluntary workouts. I really, really like what the Raiders have done. And I, I'll admit, I was kind of skeptical at first of having McDaniels and Ziegler together. Just based on, you know, everything we've basically ever seen from a Patriots, like, North, if you want to call it that, from, like, Detroit. We've seen other places where they've just gone Patriots all the time. Like, they try to do whatever. They try to replicate New England too much. But I think the good thing about this is that McDaniels and Ziegler have been basically talking about their vision for what a football team would look like since they were in college. So it predates their time with the Patriots. And I think McDaniels learned a lot from his experience of going to the Broncos and frankly failing very quickly. All right. So I like what they've done a lot. I love bringing in Patrick Graham as their defensive coordinator. I think that's fantastic. I love the signing of Chandler Jones. I couldn't love any more, you know, bringing in Devontae Adams, right? And what you do 
by bringing him in and signing him to the contract that he got is also you kind of push Tyreek Hill out of the division based on the way you just inflated the contracts in the wide receiver market. So I think the Raiders are doing a very good job. And I mean, at this point, yeah, I know the AFC West is loaded, but like, I, I don't think it's out of bounds to say that the Raiders are truly contenders for that division crown right now. If, if we think that the coaching has gotten better, which I do, frankly, if we think they've gotten better on offense with somebody like Adams, if we think they've gotten better with somebody like Chandler Jones, and they have another season of Max Crosby, who was one of the most effective pass rushers last year, why, why not? You know, So I'm, I'm bullish on the Raiders right now. That's Miles Simmons, apparently from Raiders.com, but also from uh, Pro Football Talk uh, as well. Check out his work at Miles A. Simmons on Twitter. As always, man, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, everyone. Listen for your chance because ESPN Las Vegas and the TI are teaming up to get you a draft day staycation that's right you can win a staycation at the treasure island hotel casino on the strip during the draft you can win two nights hotel accommodations for april 28th and 29th parking and dinner to qualify listen to espn 100.9 starting monday and call when prompted qualifiers will receive a 50 dollars gift card from vegas sports and hockey now open in centennial and will be entered into a drawing to win the two-night staycation at the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino during the draft. Must be 21 or older. Complete rules available at lvsportsnetwork.com. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. We're uh, right where we want to be. You know, you've got uh, less than 10 games to go, and our destiny's in our hands, and We've got to go out and execute and get the job done. And, you know, we're finally starting to get some good news on the health front and add some bodies back. So we're in a good spot. We just got to go out and get the work done. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Candy and Willie alongside Ari here on Coalfield and Company on your Tuesday evening. Golden Knights. In about two and a half hours, we'll drop the puck in Vancouver in, and I could say this about every game from here on out, a key game for the playoff race for VGK. You heard from head coach Pete DeBoer there on the rejoin. We are rejoined by Mike McKenna from Daily Faceoff, from Sirius XM NHL, and of course, from the crease. Uh, Mike, thanks for a little bit of time here. Um you heard Pete DeBoer there a second ago talking about the Golden Knights feeling good about their position. Um, we feel a lot better about their position hearing that Mark Stone is going to be back in the lineup tonight for the Golden Knights for the first time in weeks. Uh, it might be a little bit simplistic, but what is it that Mark Stone brings to the lineup beyond the sea on his chest? Well, I mean, so many things. The emotional aspect is real. He's been the heartbeat of this of the Vegas Golden Knights for you know, a couple of years now, and he has the ability to lift the entire team up in moments when it's needed. And he just drives forth all the effort of the club. But on top of that, it's really what he does with the puck on both sides of it. You know, he's a gifted scorer. He's a good passer, but more than anything, and what teams are aware of is that Mark Stone is the ultimate takeaway machine in the NHL. Such a good stick, always in lanes, creates a ton of turnovers. The defensive side of his game really is top three in the National Hockey League, and it allows the Golden Knights to get the puck and go the other direction. 
So um, I, I think it's twofold. It's on the ice. It's the emotional aspect. It's it's having your captain back in the lineup. That all factors in. That's going to be important for the club. Yeah, we know that uh, Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff stumped hard for Mark Stone to win the Selkie last year. He was finalist, uh, didn't ultimately win the award, but that value will be huge to the Golden Knights. Uh, you know, they find themselves in a spot that, Mike, uh, you know well, they have not found themselves in prior to this season, trying to scrap to make the playoffs here. What do you think of their chances to either overtake the Kings or one of those wildcard spots? Well, it's a lot better than it was a week ago. And reason being is that the Los Angeles Kings have lost three straight games. The Dallas Stars have continued to waffle, uh, but they still have a game in hand. So it's really increasingly looking like if the Golden Knights are going to make playoffs, it will be in the Pacific Division by knocking out the Los Angeles Kings. And it could be the Dallas Stars. That could logistically happen as a wild card spot as well. But if you go into the Pacific and Edmonton locks down the number two spot, Calgary is going to win the division for sure. I don't mind that matchup for the Golden Knights against Edmonton. So um, I, I think they've got every bit of a chance. I don't know if it's 50-50 or where it's at or what the odds makers are going to say, but Los Angeles has been trending the wrong direction and they've been beat up. They're hurt just as Vegas is starting to get healthy again in whatever capacity Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone are playing at. It's better than no capacity. So um, it's not a guarantee. I wouldn't put it as being above 50%, but by no means are the Golden Knights out of playoffs. They've got a good shot. Mike, you're a goaltender. Um, you know what it's like. With the goaltending situation, and Leonard is back, and he looked very sharp, albeit against Arizona, um, down the stretch here with as good as Logan Thompson was, even in some losses, um, and as well as he played, there's a couple of back-to-backs coming up for Vegas. Does Thompson get some looks? Do you have to put in consideration you know, uh, the fact that Leonard couldn't use some rest? Because at that point, he'll have played X amount of games in a row. Yeah, rest is kind of a it's a difficult subject at this stage of the game when you're or this stage of the season when you're this close to the finish line and you need points desperately. And as much as the Golden Knights can talk about being confident, liking where they are in the standings and their position, they have to earn their way in. Well, they have to win and they have to earn their way in. And I think that for, you know, you look at Robin Leonard and can he play the remainder of these games all 10? No, that's not going to happen. Um, or nine games. Is he going to play the back-to-back series between Dallas and Chicago that's coming up on the 26th and 7th in two weeks? I'd be shocked if he played both of those games. Um, That's hard travel. That's a flight from Dallas to Chicago. That's two and a half hours minimum, more like three. Um, I don't see him playing both of those. I see him playing against Dallas. So will Thompson play? Yes. Will he play a lot? I don't know. I see one opportunity. But I will say this, Thompson stabilized the crease in Vegas. He did a phenomenal job getting the team points when Laurent Brassois was out and when Robin Leonard was out. Uh, and I don't think Pete DeBoer would be hesitant to go to Thompson if he needed to. Is there such a thing as a hot goaltender? Sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, you're talking to one, man. I mean, not that I was hot very often at the national. <laughs> like, I mean, definitely not hot in everyday life. Okay, this is an appearance-based thing. But uh, no, I... 100% hot goaltender, that's a real thing. I mean, I've been in playoff series before where everything just seemed to hit me. You know, there was nothing that could get past me. I don't know why, whether I was seeing the puck better, whether my teammates were just that good in front of me. It's real. But I think you talk about goaltenders stealing an entire playoffs or Stanley Cup, that doesn't happen often. 
But what does happen is a goaltender gets hot and steals a series. And if you're in a Stanley Cup, you're probably going to need your goaltender to steal you at least one series and be really good in the rest of them. Well, Mike, I don't know if you've spent much time looking at the photos of the guys on this show. If it's an appearance thing, you just brought our score way, way up because <laughs> there's a reason you're on TV and we're on radio because that's the way uh, that's the way that God intended these sorts of things. So, no, I know what you mean about uh, about goalies. I'm I'm a Devils fan. I, I remember watching John Sebastian Jaguar in 2003 for for the Anaheim Ducks, and when he won the con Smythe, despite the fact that the Devils won the Cup, I just kind of looked and went, "Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> like that guy carried this team." Uh, as far as possible, and so I was just curious from the Thompson and uh, and Lander perspective when we talk about it with VGK. But let me turn the page back to something you mentioned a moment ago. Why, in particular, do you like the matchup for the Golden Knights against Edmonton? It's a lot better than going against Calgary, and it's a lot better against any of the other teams like Colorado. Let's say, I mean, if you're if you finish eighth, if you finish second place in the in the wild card in the Western Division, you're getting Colorado. And that team's a buzzsaw. I'm not sure how the Golden Knights would stack up against them first round, considering the Golden Knights will still be, you know, quote unquote, getting their water legs. You know, like you're still getting the team back together. You're still getting chemistry going. You're still trying to get your power play where you want it to be. Realistically, if the Golden Knights make playoffs, that first round is going to be a real learning experience in a lot of ways and a growing experience. And Edmonton is not as strong as Colorado. They're not as good defensively. I think Vegas can feast on the defensive liabilities and the goaltending of Edmonton. So I think that that would be a better route for sure. Um, you know, if you start getting into the other wild card spots, a little different story, but I do not think you want to go up against Colorado or Calgary in the first round, if you can avoid it. All right. So Adam turned the page backwards and you're talking about if they make the playoffs, I want to turn the page forward. If they don't, does Bill Foley have a right or will we see, in your opinion, someone, if not three, George, Kelly, Peter, do they have to go? Or is it legitimate that they were on the brink of making the playoffs despite being so injured? Well, we're going to see the real test of an owner if that happens. Because when you own the team, you have every right to do whatever you please. Bill Foley could fire everybody and bring in an entirely new organization if he cared to do it. Um, and given how aggressive he's been previous, really the entire time since the Golden Knights had that magical first year, it's been foot to the floorboard, pedal to the metal, we're going for it. We're going to chase after every free agent. We're going to chase after every player on the open trade market. We're going to make our team as good as we can. Uh, you know, Salary cap, who cares? So um, realistically, though, I can't see after the season that the Golden Knights have had with all the injuries and adversity they've faced a total house cleaning. I would be surprised by that. Um, it, it's been a hellacious year in terms of, of injuries, and I think they've actually done a great job of staying afloat and still being in the playoff race despite everything they've faced. But I don't know, man. If they don't make the playoffs, somebody's got to be the fall guy. So I, I'd be surprised if it just stayed status quo. I think there would be changes, but I don't think it would be anything as dramatic as either uh, Kelly McCrimmon or George McPhee being shown the door. Mike, where can the people find your work these days? Uh, at Mike McKenna 56 on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And I am writing daily for dailyfaceoff.com. Uh, we do a ton of stuff there. We have two streaming shows that I'm on a week and 
the podcast, The Suitcase and the Scribe. So there, as well as SiriusXM, I host usually once or twice a week. Good stuff, man. We appreciate your time, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Great. Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sammy P's next. Why is he getting into it with Levitard? Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. Well, Sammy P is going to join us. We're going to talk to him in just a moment uh, about the world of sports betting. It's Candy and Willie on a Tuesday afternoon here on Cofield and Company. Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. Um, sports betting, the federal ban ended uh, in 2018, May of 2018. Experts have been hiding prior to that time. I don't know if you knew that, guys. There were a lot of sports betting experts out there who just were waiting for 2018 to make their expertise known. Uh, that wasn't Sam Paniotovich. That wasn't me or Willie. That wasn't Ari. We've always been very, very clear about the fact that, you know, we're we're just trying to be a little sharper every day. Uh, Sam, of course, is as sharp as they get. You can follow his work on Nesson at Fox Sports. Sam, I don't understand something that's going on right now. Um, <laughs> Dan Lebitard has been in the business of sports for longer than you've been alive. And you have decided unilaterally to pick a fight with one of the titans of sports media and his sports betting expertise. Maybe I understand that it escalated. It escalated. What what happened, Sam? It, it escalated this week. For starters, he sucks at gambling. That's, what? that's number one. What? Yeah, what? I thought he was an expert. One of the worst. Um, oh, my Look, God. I'll make a long story short. Um, you know me, Candy, and I appreciate the compliments, by the way. I don't think I'm that sharp, but I do talk to a lot of sharp people and a lot of sports books. So I have the ability to understand what's going on. And since I left Vison went back to Chicago, and now I'm in Boston, I have sort of advocated for the consumer, for the player, for the better, for you. I want you to win. I don't want you to lose. Well, Dan Levitard, his show was purchased by DraftKings. They paid him 50 or $60 million to buy the show and the audience and the followers. So now part of his gig is to blast out parlays. And I had somebody send me a spreadsheet of the Dan Levitard show parlays Uh-oh. two weeks ago. Yikes. And they had lost almost all of them. They were on a 0 for 12 run, 12 straight losses on these parlays. So I called them out. I'm like, look, like, don't tell this parlay. This guy sucks at gambling. I mean, he's a great host. He knows what he's doing. He's made a lot of money. And I don't think he cares about me. That's fine. But I care about you. I want you to win. So after he tweeted out the money line parlay on St. Peter's in Miami in the Elite Eight, I said, this is a joke. The fact that somebody with 500,000 followers can tell you, you, to parlay this is a joke. And both teams lost by 20. So clearly somebody on the staff saw that. They called me out. We started going back and forth. And their next parlay was a three-team chalk UFC money line parlay with three fighters in UFC 273, minus 450, 
minus five seventy five and like minus nine hundred. All winners. That was clearly that was the parlay. Clearly telling you they're trying to win. That's the type of parlay, Candy. We used to hit the bookie with on Sunday night when we were down. You know, like yeah. we can't lose. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. get back over the top. Chase, so they, chase, chase. So, so they lose this freaking parlay. Oh no, no. And and I haven't heard a word from the Dan Levitard show since they have lost their last thirteen parlays sponsored by DraftKings. Wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second here. I, I saw Dan himself tell you that you don't understand the show. What, what What is it that you don't understand? I guess I don't understand that losing money is funny. I don't know that it is. I, I've never found losing money uh, to be funny. And, and Sam, you would think with as many parlays as are thrown out there on social media every day that these would all be winners. But it turns out they're not all that successful. All I'm saying is that if you have a show and a medium and a platform, you should want your followers to make money. Apparently, him and his moron followers all think that losing is fun. I, I mean, people were chirping me for days on it. You don't get the show. You don't get the show. They suck at gambling. I'm like, okay, well, but if I'm a novice gambler and I don't really follow the show, but I like Dan Levitard, and I see Dan Levitard tweeting out some parlay, it's probably more likely that I tail the parlay than I fade the parlay, right? It is. It is. And in the end, um, if you're doing that, obviously the only way to go is to tail Colin Cowherd instead of tailing Dan Levitard, right? Like <laughs> just just pick, pick your other favorite host who's putting out parlay sponsored by a sports book. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're just off, off base entirely on this. Sam, uh, let's talk about some, an opportunity to get sharp, and, and this will be an opportunity to get sharp maybe at the book's expense if you can find things like this uh, moving forward. Um, the USFL, God bless it, is about to get started, and if you were paying close attention last week, you would have seen Foxbet put out some totals on the USFL up higher than NFL totals. Uh, really interesting to see numbers like 53 and 54 hanging on USFL games. Uh a few days later, suddenly those were gone when other books started hanging 43s and 44s here. Uh, it wasn't high limits, but another example, Sammy, it seems to me, of uh, the opportunities are there if you're looking for them. And you understand that Circa, Westgate, South Point, Wynn, Caesars, Pinnacle, Bet Online, Heritage Bookmaker, they still haven't put numbers up. They're like, eh, we're going to... We're going to wait on this because it's really it's really tough. The USFL played its last game in July of 1985. And what a professional odds maker or handicapper will tell you is that it's all about the power ratings. And what these people do with said power ratings are they take the numbers from the year before, they roll them over, and then make the adjustments. So if a team like Denver trades for Russell Wilson – you knock that rating up four or five points. If a team retools its offensive line, you knock them up two or three points. If a team adds a star pass rusher, you knock them up two points. It's always about the precedent, the previous season, and the adjustment to the new season. Well, we don't have that in the USFL because there wasn't a season last year. So odds makers are guessing with a league like the USFL. Fox bet you applaud them. <laughs> they, they took a crack at it. 
they were they were off on every single game total wise by 12 points or more. Uh, the totals that you referenced, they posted them on April 8th, 55 and a half, 53 and a half, 53 and a half, 56 and a half. We have different numbers now. 42 and a half, 41 and a half, 43 and a half, 41 and a half. So almost two touchdowns in every single game. Point spreads haven't changed that much, but I want to look at a couple teams, Candy, to win the USFL. And I was talking with a couple guys that bet for a living and my buddy Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus. And his argument is that you should bet two teams right now to win the USFL. One of them is Tampa Bay, the Bandits. You can find them at about plus 450 or plus 475 if you shop around. 100 wins, uh, 450 or 475. And his model that they've built at Pro Football Focus says that the New Orleans club, I believe it's the New Orleans, uh, the Breakers. Ah, yes, how dare I forget that. The New Orleans Breakers, according to Pro Football Focus, have a 13% chance to win the whole thing. Well, you can find the New Orleans Breakers at 8-1 to one to win the whole thing. So I guess what my point is, is that the betters are mostly guessing. The odds makers are clearly guessing. So if you can get ahead of the curve on a team that analytically is sexier than the sports books believe, you can make money. If the Tampa Bay Bandits are the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills, guess what? You're not going to find plus 425 or plus 450 later in the season. If the New Orleans Breakers are better than the books realized, you're not going to find eight to one. It's going to be five or five fifty or six to one. So I think those are two teams to circle, not only in the future market but week to week. Uh, Tampa Bay is a four point favorite against Pittsburgh. Uh, New Orleans is a two and a half point favorite against Philly. I've been told that both teams should win by double digits. Now that's from people that have no idea because they don't watch this league. But from the modeling and the statistical stuff. Those are two teams that leap off the page, the Tampa Bay squad and the New Orleans squad. So I'm paying close attention to how the books have them lined now and how they will have them lined over the next three, four, five weeks. Because I'll tell you what, these books don't know what they're doing either. They will catch up over time, but they don't know what's up right now. Well, you know what's up right now is baseball. Sammy P. And I am, you know, the new school, sharp guys like the analytics, the here and now, what's going on, the different sites, right, that, that provide the in, intel to the to the pitchers. There are a few systems that I go back to a popular book called Betting the Bases with Mike Lee, one of them being Divergent Pitcher, a pitcher, a starting pitcher making his MLB debut. And since 2016, the very first starting pitcher each year to make his MLB debut is now on a 5-2 and two run after Hunter Green at plus, started plus 180, went to plus 160, cashed in the other day. There were two that went today, but it's one of my favorite systems. How have you seen the baseball season start for you? We've seen overinflation on two teams specifically, the Atlanta Braves, which is natural. They won the World Series last year, and the L.A. Dodgers, who had a win total of 99.5 at some sports books. If you've bet the Atlanta Braves five games this season, the Braves are two and three, but you're down almost four units. And that's because to play Atlanta, you've had to lay already minus, let's see, minus 225, 
minus 175, minus 190, minus 205, and minus 180. Teams like that, you are not going to make money on. Also, the LA Dodgers, uh, in three games, they are one and two, but you are down almost three units because guess what? You're laying 210, 220, and 145. So those are the teams that I'm going to pay close attention to over the next couple of weeks, see if they can't turn it up. But if you're laying 180, 190, 200 every day, you've got to play like 70% baseball to come over the top. I'll tell you what, and I'll give you guys both a chance right now to guess the most profitable team right now in Major League Baseball. Can either of you guess who it is? Go ahead. Wow, I'm going to guess. Well, they're only 2-2, two and two, but I was going to say the Mariners. The Oakland they are. No, it's the Oakland is fourth. Great call, Candy. They're two and two, but they're up two units because they've been a big plus price in a couple games. The Colorado Rockies right now. Well then. In four in four games, they are three and one, but you're up three and a half units because guess what? They beat the Dodgers twice at plus one fifty five and plus one ninety. They've been an underdog in all four games, but they're three and one. So if you can find the right underdog. Early in the season, you can get ahead of the curve on the sports books. And the best teams for profit right now, the Colorado Rockies, the Oakland Athletics, and the Chicago Cubs. Those are the three best underdogs right now. It's a very small sample size. We're talking four or five games. But if the Rockies and the A's and the Cubs can play 500 baseball or a little bit better when they're getting money every night on the underdog side, that's a team that will make you money over the long haul. It's information you can use from Sam Paniotovich, Fox Sports, Nesson, the Chicken Dinner Podcast, and I think I heard this correctly, uh, filling in for Stugatz next week on the Dan Levitard Show. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> Incorrect. Incorrect. Oh, I, I, I had, to, had to give it a shot. All right, Big Five coming up on Cofield and Company. Cofield and Company will be back in minutes right here on ESPN Las Vegas.